0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DDW, report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Block talk radio.
1: The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network.
2: Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world, broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world, spreading the news and information. BlakeRadio.com, music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Soul from BlakeRadio.com.
1: This is Dr. Jennifer Daniels, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels. And it is Tuesday, April 26th, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And tonight's topic is, instead of trying to make a better robot, try to make a better man. It sounds like a virtuous, virtuous statement. Make a better man. Focus on improving humanity. But what if? What if? The improvement of humanity is actually to turn people into more efficient robots than one could ever hope to manufacture with all the engineering genius in the world. What if? I think the uh, thing to take a look at is, well, what's, uh, what's the robot? It's always nice to start with the definition. Well, let's take a look and see. So a robot is actually uh, a mechanical or virtual artificial agent. There's an agent, usually an electromechanical machine that is guided by a program, a computer program, or electric circuitry. So robots can be autonomous or semi-autonomous and range from humanoids such as Honda's advanced step in innovative mobility to industrial robots, medical operating robots, patent assist assist robots or patient assist robots, dog therapy robots, collectively programmed swarm robots, (laughs) and of course UAV drones such as General Atomics Predator and even microscopic nanorobots. And so they mimic a lifelike appearance. A robot may convey a sense of intelligence or thought of its own. So in other words, it conveys a sense of intelligence or thought of its own, but it actually doesn't have a thought of its own. So nowadays, with technology being what it is, it's possible to have a robot mimic many human activities that we used to uh, think of as only humans. So a better definition might be is a robot is re- refers to a person who behaves in a mechanical or unemotional manner. That would be one robot. In science fiction, it's a machine resembling a human being and able to replicate human movements and functions automatically and another definition is a machine capable of carrying out complex series of actions automatically especially ones programmable by a computer in other words what we're really talking about is there's been a plan afoot really a fantasy to have a genie and this genie would grant you every wish do whatever you say be totally obedient and The concept of a genie deteriorated to one, or devolved, to one of having a robot, where a person would have a servant at their beck and call. And I think as our society became more industrialized, the thought was, well, geez, if only human beings could just work, not ever question, not ever protest, and be servile and obedient, and of course fit a particular function. So in other words, if only people could be programmable by computers rather than computers programmable by people. Interesting concept. And so we'll take a second look then at uh, Shimon Perez's statement. Instead of trying to make a better robot, try to make a better man. In other words, instead of trying to make a robot as a servant, why don't we try to make human beings into better subservient individuals? Why don't we try and start with a human being and whittle that human down to something that has no will of its own and can be programmed and controlled by machines. Amazing. I'd like to suggest that it's exactly what is going on. It is exactly what is going on. Now, of course, this show is about the medical industrial complex and what medicine has done. So I'd like to suggest that medicine actually plays a pivotal role in this plan in other words without medicine without the medical industrial complex or healthcare care as we know it it would not be possible in 2016 to enslave you know 300 and some odd million people who are living in the united states and to have them enjoy it so much i'm not saying anyone should get sad about anything but i'm saying that what has happened is The move to create a man that is more robot like rather than a robot that's more man like is very much on its way. And we can see it if we take a look at the uh, industrial medical complex and what happens to people. And this is very much like um, A Brave New World. That is a book, it's a very simple read, it's not even complicated. I'd recommend that everyone read that book. Brave New World, it's very short. You could read it in a day and a half if you're a slow reader, which I am. So how does the medical-industrial complex create human beings with a level of intelligence that is low enough that they do not seek direction of their own or for themselves, yet with intelligence high enough to function in an industrialized uh, world. Well, I would like to start uh, at the very beginning. Let's start with conception. Now, once upon a time, actually, a pretty long time ago, it was thought that men and women got together, the egg and sperm got together, uh, and then a baby developed and it was born. That's pretty good. But if you're making robots, or making predictable people, that is not a reasonable way to allow things to happen. You have to have breeding. You have to select who is going to be the father, who is going to be the mother. And so what has happened now in our society is half of that equation has been pretty much determined. In other words, we now have sperm banks. And sperm banks only accept sperm from men who are young, under 30. That's okay. No problem there. But for men who have no criminal record, have not been disobedient, who are preferably enrolled in college, in other words, they're committed to spending four years paying their hard-earned money or borrowing against their future to be told what to do, what to think, and how to do it. So just the act of having a sperm bank going through this type of screening process and creating a pool of donors from docile individuals is the first step to breeding. And it's been a successful step. And many women are very happy to pick the father of their children from a sperm bank rather than willy-nilly from some guy who might, who knows, tell them something that's not true to convince them to, well, you know. So we have uh, one degree of certainty introduced, in the breeding of the next generation already. somebody by the establishment of sperm banks and the criteria they use to select their donors, which essentially is selecting who will and will not reproduce. So the woman going to the sperm bank has a limited selection, kind of like the voter going to the voting booth. So where's the next cut? Well, once a woman becomes pregnant, Then we have something called prenatal care. And many women are uh, programmed to accept prenatal care and to seek prenatal care. And, of course, people haven't taken a look at, well, well, what does this prenatal care do and how powerful is it? Do you know that your outcome, your birth outcome, is actually worse for mother and baby if the woman seeks prenatal care within one week of conception? Yeah, that's right. You should at least wait two weeks. That's until your first missed period. In fact, wait a little longer if you can. But then we have the prenatal care. And the biggest thing that happens in prenatal care, actually a few things happen, um, we have many um, tests. We have the chorionic villus sampling, which literally takes part of the cells, which were destined to be the fetus under the pretense of sampling them to look for, well, imperfection. This is a idea that you don't want an imperfect child is, again, another sense of breeding, of creating uniformity as in robots. And at this point in the process, a certain number of children will be uh, terminated as a complication of the procedure. Then of course there's ultrasounds. Now this will in favor of ultrasounds against ultrasounds. I'm not taking a position on that. It's not necessary, but ultrasounds have been proven to create intrauterine growth retardation. Uh, emphasis on the word retardation. Yes. So subjecting the fetus to these uh, strong vibrational energy waves throughout the pregnancy actually leads to the baby not developing as much. Being a smaller baby, having a smaller brain, and you got it, <laughs> being more easily controlled. So, just in case that's not enough, the poor kid is born and then he's vaccinated. So There's no question that vaccine causes autism, which is a rather extreme form of mental retardation slash disability. But what about the kids that don't get autistic? What about the ones who are just a little bit slow? Just a little bit slow. Exactly. And so we have then, we have a national policy program of injecting uh, the next generation with drugs and materials that are known to decrease one's mental ability. And especially with autism, um, there's an increase in the number of people who are what we call idiot savants. What's that? I mean, the person has a tremendous intellectual capacity, but does not have... The capacity to direct or govern themselves. So they have extreme intelligence, but not the intelligence to actually control themselves. Uh, this is an individual then that requires direction, almost the definition of a robot. So we have the uh, immunization plan. So then what do we have? Well, the next step is that children are fed uh, homogenized, pasteurized dairy products, which lead to ear infections. But the ear infection is not the end game. The end game is the antibiotic the kid gets for the ear infection. So these antibiotics are known to cause decreases, declines in a person's intelligence. They're known uh, also to cause damage to the immune system. So now you have a whole generation being impaired, mentally impaired. And the important impairment that's necessary to creating a robot is the individual must be not able or willing to direct his own activities. Very, very important. So this uh, person, now a teenager, is then subjected to antidepressants. And it could be SSRIs, it could be tricyclics, but really, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. And so these drugs further diminish the person's, not only their intelligence, but their future capacity. What does that mean? That means that people who get Ritalin and mind-altering drugs as teenagers under the pretense of ADHD grow up with a higher incidence of early-onset Parkinson's disease. That means at the age of 40, sometimes earlier, their ability to manage their own affairs or direct their own activities is essentially lost. This is a prerequisite to creating an antibiotic. And so what has happened then is the focus has changed from creating, I will not say changed from creating, but the focus on creating a robot is not exclusively limited to machines. So what has happened then is to create, convert human beings into robots. So we've got the ADHD drugs, the antidepressants, just in case, just in case the person missed those events or didn't take hold, there's always the uh, aspirin a day. What's that about? Well, if you take an aspirin every single day, then your chances of bleeding into your brain are actually increased. Yes, actually increased. More bleeding into your brain. And what does this do? Well, it certainly doesn't make you any brighter. It does not make you any more intelligent. And concurrent with all this is genetically modified foods and genetically modified medications. Most people are not aware that drugs are being genetically modified. And these genetically modified substances are affecting the expression of the human gene. So if it's a drug, they call it recombinant DNA technology. So they're recombining DNA as a technology. If it's, if it's food, they call it genetically modified organisms. But it's the same thing. And so people are willingly taking genetically modified drugs. And whether these drugs work or not, is pretty irrelevant, but for the most part, they do not work. But these drugs, then, are modifying the expression of the genes in the human. And so what's going on, then, is we're really genetically modifying humans. Genetically modifying the foods is just a starting point. And then, uh, you know, that's, that's not all. Just in case you still have your brains about you, just in case you still have a few brain cells to rub together just in case you have a shred of self-determination, there's always the cholesterol drugs. Yep, cholesterol drugs. Cholesterol drugs have been shown to create side effects in 30% of those who take them. And cholesterol drugs have been shown to cause early Alzheimer's. Early Alzheimer's. Cholesterol drugs. And so what is early Alzheimer's? That means the person is unable to remember, unable to recall, And unable to formulate, plan, and direct their day, let alone their life. And one might say that all of these things are accidental, but it's an accident uh, that genetic selection is going on in the form of sperm banks. It's an accident that women, during the course of prenatal care, are given numerous interventions that can only harm what might have started out to be a healthy child. It's an accident that we have vaccines laced with ingredients that diminish a person's mental capacity. An accident that children are being diagnosed with ADHD and being given drugs that diminish their intellect. or An accident that cholesterol drugs happen to diminish intellect and lower cholesterol. They're reading this, they're shown to have zero relevance, whatever, to health. Or that people have been urged to take an aspirin a day, which causes bleeding into the brain and minimizing their intelligence. these things. One of them alone might be an accident. Even two might be an accident. But three, you have to say it's a pattern. You have to say it's a pattern. And then, of course, genetically modified foods. Uh, yeah. if you eat that stuff, as they say, it shows. And so what's going on here is the, the intent, and right before our very eyes we see the modifying of human beings to become servants, superior to a robot. Now, this would not be, could not happen without, of course, the educational system. So you have the educational system, which teaches the most important lesson of all, which is obedience, obedience, total obedience to authority, which would be enough, you would think, but not really. One needs obedience to authority, and then the habit of asking permission for the most trivial of things, the unwillingness to turn a page before being given permission, the unwillingness to go to the bathroom without first securing permission. These things, training, a human being, not to use any even trivial piece of initiative that their body might express, is the process of creating a robot out of what started out to be a human being. Now, there are those of you who would spend time trying to figure out who it is that's running and controlling the robots. And I'm not sure it matters. I'm not sure it matters who's calling the shots or who's creating the robots. What matters is for you to decide, one, if you want to be a robot, and if you do, well, that's okay. Again, I'm not here to make that decision. So, one, to decide if you do want to be a robot, and number two, If you don't want to be a robot, what do you want to do about it? What do you want to do about it? And I know I talk to people like that. They say, "But, but, doctor, what can I do? What can I do?" And so when you ask a question like "What can I do?", what you're asking is "What can you get permission to do?", which means you've already conceded the bigger the bigger question, which is, "Do you want to be a robot?" And the answer, of course, is yes. So "What can I do?" means that you're ready to uh, yield, yield your determination, your self-determination. So what can you do? What can a person do who does not want to be a robot? Well, we have here a lot of things going on, uh, you know, vaccines, cholesterol, drugs, antidepressants, asthma days, stem cells, GMO foods, GMO drugs. Oh, let's not forget diabetes therapy. I mean, who hasn't? may made to feel a little bit sluggish, a little bit tired, when their blood goes a little bit low. And let's not forget blood pressure therapy. Who hasn't, if they've taken a blood pressure pill, experienced the fatigue, the wet noodle feeling, um, and the exhaustion from being on those drugs, and the fear that if you don't take them just right, they might kill you? Yeah. And so this is, this is the problem manager gonna say, Well, Dr. James, where are your references? I don't need any references. I know that's a bad attitude. But one needs to only look at these. I mean you can Google, you know, vaccines and, and mental deficiency or mental retardation and, you know, you'll find it. Cholesterol drugs and Alzheimer's. It's all over the place. In fact when the big story hit that if you take cholesterol drugs, pretty much you're gonna lose your mind within thirty to ninety days. They said, wait, wait, we can't we can't have people stop the cholesterol drugs because maybe they need them. Well, I don't think so. Who needs to be stupid? Maybe someone else needs people to take cholesterol drugs, but the individual taking the cholesterol drugs certainly has absolutely no benefit from that interaction at all. So what is a person to do? What is a person to do? What is a human being to do in order to, one, not become a robot, and two, not be surrounded by robots. Because if you're surrounded by robots, then obviously these robots are programmed to detect humans who have not been properly programmed and to either uh, shun them or turn them into the authorities and report them as not being properly programmed. This is a serious problem. Especially now we have this terrorism thing. You know, people can be accused of having terrorist thoughts, of having thoughts that, They're not supportive of the government. And of course, obviously, if you have thoughts that are not supportive of the government, the answer is a psychoactive drug, tranquilizer, antidepressants, whatever. In other words, call in the medical industrial complex. So, what exactly can a person do to avoid becoming a robot? So, becoming a robot, uh, good news, it's actually not easy. It's not easy. That's why all these different drugs have to be given at every stage of life because there's a chance the individual might recover. There's a chance the individual might actually snatch some shred of autonomy and ruin his obedience. So, good news is it's very difficult to be programmed to be a good robot and it's very easy to throw a wrench in the works. The first thing you do is you have to realize that in order to give up your autonomy, in order to give up the true capacity of what you can do, you have to accept a lot of beliefs that are simply not true. Not true. Not true at all. And so when you dispense with these false beliefs, all of a sudden you become extremely powerful. And many people don't like that because if they're that powerful, if they have that much power, what if they get it wrong? The answer, of course, is the folks in charge get it wrong all the time. So certainly you should be allowed a few missteps of your own. So let's start with some simple uh, misconceptions. The first misconception is that if you're a young lady and you're thinking of getting married, that you might make the wrong decision. And that would be disastrous. And therefore, you should let a sperm bank pick the father of your children for you. answer is eh, no. First of all, naturally speaking, things are designed for people to pretty much mate randomly. And through that process, give additional strength and diversity, genetic diversity, to the species. I'm not suggesting you mate outside of your race if that bothers you, but what I am suggesting is that you trust yourself to pick who should be the father of your children. And you can make a choice that may be a good one, it may not be one, but you can still get a very good uh, child out of the whole mix. So first of all, trust yourself, pick who's going to be the father of your children, and just go with it. That's number one. So the first lie is that a sperm bank can pick a better father than you can. So the next lie is that prenatal care makes healthier babies. It does not make healthier babies. It simply kills babies that are unhealthy, and it kills a fair share of healthy babies in the process. If you become pregnant and you get prenatal care, your chance of having a live birth out of the whole process is 25%. That's pretty disappointing. Pretty disappointing. So if you stay home... If I say stay home, I mean skip the prenatal care process, your chances of having a live birth are much, much better. In fact, your chances of having a healthy baby are much better. But your chances of having an unhealthy baby are also higher. Why? Because the unhealthy baby will not be detected and killed prior to birth. So I think if people would accept the possibility that it's okay to have an imperfect baby, they would have a lot more. Perfect babies. not, I think. that's actually the statistics the stats show. So second uh, falsehood is that prenatal care creates a healthier baby. It does not. Prenatal care does not convert a down syndrome baby into a normal baby. It simply gives you the opportunity to kill or abort a down syndrome baby if that's what you choose to do. So this is very difficult. The other false premise. Is that unhealthy babies, let's say Down syndrome baby or a baby who's deaf or a baby who's retarded, are more expensive to raise? Having grown up in a family with two mentally retarded siblings, I can tell you it did not cost a penny more to raise my mentally retarded siblings than it did to raise me. If anything, it might have cost a little more to raise me because I did more things. I traveled, I joined clubs, I did a lot of things that my mentally retarded uh, sisters did not do. So, can you raise a mentally retarded kid? Absolutely. Is it more expensive? I say not. And that's based on my own personal experience. All right. next false false premise. False premise is that you don't have anything useful to teach your children. This is not true. If all you ever taught your kid was how to tie a shoe and fry an egg, that's more than he would learn in 16 years of schooling. I mean K through bachelor's degree. And that is stunning. That is shocking. That this educational system is designed to teach your child obedience, to teach him to engage in pointless, fruitless activity for hours on end at the direction of someone who doesn't care about him, is not taking care of him, and is not a part of his life success plan. This person is not feeding him, not sheltering him, not helping him have babies, nothing, nothing. So the educational process, that the educational process has anything to offer your child is a falsehood. And this gets parents to spend tens of thousands of dollars a year impoverishing themselves. And all that's happening in this process of sending a child to a formal school is he's being converted into a robot. What's a robot? All those people in uh, Twin Tower number two at 9-11 who didn't have the good sense to, s- to scramble down the stairs and who died, those were robots. They did as they were told, yes. And if you raise your child to be a good robot, a similar fate will await him. That would be a huge case for diseducation, or simply not education. So you don't want your kid to get a, be a robot. You don't want him to get a so-called formal education. There are so many ways for a kid to learn. And I would say if you taught your kid any skill, any skill at all, how to cook at home, how to wash the clothes, any of those, he could literally build a multimillion-dollar business doing it for other people. All your kid ever learned how to do is clean a house. He could start a house-cleaning business at the age of 16 or probably sooner if you had done a few papers for him. So the fallacy is that you have nothing useful to treat your, teach your child. And the truth is, you're the only one who has anything useful to teach your child. So that's another that's a fallacy. What's the next fallacy? Next fallacy is if your kid expresses any kind of independence, uh, defiance, or um, insubordination, it's a Prozac deficiency or a Ritalin deficiency. Of course, he should express some independence. Politely, of course, but definitely he should express it. So the concept or the belief that raising a child should be filled with nothing but total agreement between the parents and the children, it's just golf. What it should be filled with is teaching the kid enough skills so when he decides he doesn't want to do what you tell him, he can go take care of himself. Take care of himself. And people have been caught up in this game, and the game is this. I I want a house, but I'm not going to learn how to build a house. No, no, no. I'm going to go earn money and see if I can earn enough money to pay someone else to build me a house. That's a game because what you really want is a house, but you don't just go directly and do it. And so training your child to play these games is part of what makes him a robot. Another game, easy game, is I don't want to have a stroke. So I'm going to take an aspirin a day, which is going to give me kidney failure and dialysis. And I'm going to take an aspirin a day, which is going to give me bleeding ulcers and possible death. I'm going to take an aspirin a day, which won't give me a blood clot stroke, but will give me bleeding into my brain on a low-grade level, so that by a certain age, I'll be pretty stupid anyway. So what leads people into this whole robot medical odyssey is people at a young age are sucking into playing this very dangerous gambling game Um, I'm healthy there's nothing wrong with me but I'm going to get my kids I'm going to get them vaccinated give them a fever pain in his arm and make them sick hoping that he'll be one of the lucky kids who will benefit from vaccines even though we're vaccinating against diseases that are only caused by well vaccines there's the vaccine game, and then there's the cholesterol drug game. This is really a, this is an incredible game because cholesterol drugs are proven, proven to be helpful after 1,250 human years of use. And so for you to win the cholesterol game, you would have to live 1,250 years. Yep. What kind of training, what kind of indoctrination, what type of robotization does it take to get a human being to play that game. I don't think you can take a cholesterol drug every day unless you had uh, some serious propaganda education. The other thing about the cholesterol drugs, in terms of playing a game, is the game that you have to play is, okay, I'm going to live 1,250 years, but I'm going to take a drug in one of those days, and... I'm not going to be one of the unlucky 30% every year that gets side effects. So this is a game that one submits to. Now next is the whole antidepressant game. And that game is I need to be a detached, cool-headed person with no emotions. And if I have an emotion or even feel an emotion, Happiness, disappointment, excitement, enthusiasm, any of these emotions, I need to take a drug and make that emotion go away. So that's a fallacy. What's the truth? The truth is your emotions make you human. You should feel free to experience and feel all of them. And, you know, enjoy the ride. Next is genetically modified foods. I talked to my brother about this. So I have a brother who's very uh, tech-oriented. so He, he you know, works with computers and stuff. And so I said, hey, you know, these things call called genetically modified foods, and they're very bad, and they make people sick. And he says, Jennifer, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It seems to me if these genetically modified foods are helping us increase our crop productivity and they're feeding the world, I think they're a pretty good thing, and they're something I would certainly want to eat myself. I said, hmm. I said, well, and this is when the labeling campaign was going on. I said, Well, do you think maybe they should be labeled so if case, case people don't want to eat them? People who don't want to eat them should be able to not eat them if they want to avoid them. He says, oh, you know, I, I really don't know about that. I'm not so sure that uh, labeling something so that people have a choice it really makes sense because a lot of people wouldn't know how to exercise that choice. And I said, Ah. Another fallacy. Fallacy is that you, or someone you know, is not that bright, that you actually cannot make a decision on your own behalf, given, of course, all the information that's available. And so this lack of confidence then leads people to defer to others. Oh, don't label GMOs. I would not know what to do with the information. Oh, don't give me a choice about Mm vaccines. I may make the wrong decision. Oh, don't give me a choice about cholesterol drugs. What if I decide wrong? These are robot thoughts. The other thought is, what if you do decide wrong? You're gonna be wrong less often than the doctor in the medical industrial complex. Because what happens is a doctor in medical school is taught 100% wise, which of course are uncovered at the rate of 50% per year. And so if you do not do what your doctor says, your chances of being correct are much higher than if you do what your doctor tells you. So the false belief is that your doctor knows more than you do. The truth of the matter is he knows a lot less than you do. Why? Because he has spent many, many, many years of his life sitting in a hermetically sealed chamber, being fed selective information, not necessarily accurate, because we know starting out it's got half of all the information the doctors taught in medical school is simply not true. It is simply not true. This is something the medical industrial complex says. So if somebody has that low a reservoir of accurate information, even if you were not as intelligent. As the doctor, maybe you're not on uh, genius level, that's okay. But if his information database is between 50% and 95% false, then you've got a better chance of being accurate, either A, sorting stuff out on your own, or B, just doing the opposite or different from whatever the doctor says. Whatever the doctor recommends, you can say, ah, whatever the doctor recommended, I won't do that, and then start looking for other things that maybe you could do. So that's a fallacy. The doctor knows best. What's the next fallacy? Well, the next fallacy is that being a servant at all times is a good thing. And there are people who their only goal is to figure out who or what to serve. That's it. And once they figure out what to serve, they just follow everything that they're told And so their total level of decision-making in their life is simply to decide who or what to follow. How do I know this? People actually ask me this question, Dr. Dance, how do I know? How do I know what to believe? How do I know who to believe? How do I know who to follow? And so they're looking for someone to follow. So I say the way to avoid becoming a robot is to set your own path, to say, well, you know what? Everyone else seems to be going to a walk. Let me take a peek and see what's over here at the right. Or explore as to what happened to folks who went down that path, whatever it was. But don't be uh, concerned if you're not doing what everyone else is doing because chances are you're doing the right thing. So to avoid being a robot is, I think, uh, a more fun route, a more productive route, and a route that will lead to really a tremendous amount of happiness. And also to not aspire for your children to be robots. Because in order for your child to be a robot, it's going to drain you of every last piece of money that you have. And even then, at the end of the day, your child will still be a robot, unable to spend for himself, unable to um, take care of his best interests. And so in order for a kid to be a robot, you've got to put them in daycare at ten to $20,000 a year per child. Then you've got to send them to public school just to cost clothing, transportation, lunches, you name it. Sending a kid to public school is $10,000 a year. Then you've got to send them to college. Oh, excuse me, while he's in school, you have to sign them up for extracurricular uh, sporting activities, buy all kinds of sporting equipment. After you've worked all day to earn money, to pay for things you could have done for yourself because you're playing the game. Then you've got to go to his games to teach him and encourage him to play games. And, of course, we've got everyone playing the game of not doing what you want but doing something else first so then you can do what you want. For example, people actually go to school, go to high school, go to college, and go to graduate school so they can afford to have a family when actually They could have had a family of 16, but the game they played of doing this and this and this and this and this and this this before I can do what is easily and naturally within my grasp is what uh, is the hallmark of a robot. To constantly play a game, and not just any game, but you've got to play someone else's game. Yes, someone else's game with their rules and then Try to win the game. Why do you think they made the rules? Right, so they would win and you would lose. And so what happens then is people aspiring to be robots or being robots are finding that they don't seem to be getting a lot or much or any of whatever it is they wanted out of life. So the thing to do then is to not aspire to be a robot and not even aspire for your child to be a robot. If everyone likes one thing, your child likes something else, shrug your shoulders and say, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. It will probably work out. And the next thing is schooling. Skip it. Absolutely skip it. It's a big conditioning round. to condition your children to submit to these deadly tests, to submit to these deadly, deadly procedures. Why? What's well, the number one thing they do in school? Test. Test, 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 test. And kids are conditioned. They should submit to test. Test, 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 test. And what does the doctor do? He has the person submit to a test. What does the test do? It generates random numbers and false positives. A few false negatives, but not many. A lot of false positives. And so you have to keep your kid out of school if only to have an individual who has no patience with tests. He says, I don't want to test. I want something for real. I don't want to test out something. I want to do it. I want to have it. I want to make it happen. And so to avoid becoming a robot or a victim of robotization, the answer is also. Don't get health insurance. If you get it, don't use it. But the important thing is not to get it because the problem is once you have health insurance, if a judge, a politician, an officer of the law or the court wants to force you to have medical intervention that you don't want, it's already paid for. So that's an easy uh, decision for a judge to make. And and it's even been said, well, what do you mean you don't want health care? Why, well, you got insurance? So, of course, why don't we just use your insurance to not have or not become a robot and not be subjected to the manipulations that turn human beings into uniform, indistinguishable units, and this is done by medical care, don't even get health insurance and don't show up. Um, the other um, standardization procedures, take out the tonsils, take out the appendix, take out the uterus, take out the prostate, and pretty soon you've got human beings where you can't tell a man from a woman. You basically have uh, a robot. And I noticed this when I was in medical school. That at a certain age, you would see a human being on a stretcher and you could not it with a man or a woman without serious close inspection. So it is exactly as it appears to be. It is the standardization of human beings and converting them into robots. So they are now... Uh, really making great strides with turning with machines. My brother, the one who explained to me about GMOs, um, works on automation. So he told me that he could train a robot to do anything a human being can do in terms of tapping a keyboard. He can train a robot, or artificial intelligence program called an app, to analyze spreadsheets and make the same decisions that a middle-level or high-level business executive would have made. Very interesting. So, time for questions. Let me go check my chat room. Okay. So, the answer then is non-engagement. When you engage the medical industrial complex, you lose your autonomy, you lose your control, and the process of converting you to a robot begins. And this is what is meant by making better men. And the medical industrial complex is on the forefront of this in terms of converting people into robots. And all these therapies that don't seem to work, whether it's chemotherapy or surgery or drugs or vaccinations, all of them are simply the process of creating robots. That's all it is. They're just creating robots. And the question is not do you want to get better, but do you want to be a robot? If you do, great, no problem. But if you don't, if you don't, no problem either. Just go to VitalityCalculus.com forward slash remedies. And, uh, you know, get your copy of 10 Remedies So Powerful They Will Make Antibiotics Obsolete. All right, we have a question. Let me see if I can click the correct button here. Hi, you're on the air. Your name and your question, please.
2: Are you uh, talking to me, Doc? I sure am. This is Dan in Texas. Hi, Dan. How are you today? Pretty good. Interestingly, uh, yesterday, I don't pay attention to TV, Mm -hmm. but I was uh, uh, sitting with my grandson yesterday, uh, nine years old. He was watching cartoons, and I couldn't help but notice (laughs) the level of propaganda that's being thrown at these kids through cartoons. Absolutely. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, So, anyway. Anyway. Anyway, oh, yes, Doctor, uh, what I wanted Korean to ask football. you is, uh, mm-hmm. since I'm uh, I'm blind and I have a little difficulty doing chatango, mm-hmm. and uh, I sent Shali an email today to see if she could get it to you before the show.
1: Oh, yeah. So the answer is, please go visit your niece. It does sound pretty urgent. So I'll tell you what used to happen in medical school. So I was, at one point, really just overcome with just how bad these outcomes were in the hospitals. So when I became a resident, I started counting how many hospital admissions in a year did it take before half of those people with that number of admissions were killed. So in other words, how many admissions on average did it take to kill a person in one year? And so uh, five admissions a year seemed to be a certain death. Once you got around two or three and they even started planning them out, it's not good.
2: All right. Thank you,
1: Doc. Okay. You're welcome. Okay. Let's go check out the chat room. All right. Here's the chat room. <sighs> um, <sighs> okay. There's a lot of comments in the uh, chat room. Dr. Dan, it's a new computer that wants to help out by answering questions. It calls itself Cortana and says, I'm Cortana, ask me anything. What do you think is going on here? Um, I think it's simply another uh, propaganda, another mouth of propaganda. And the way this works is, like I said in my last show, is it's clever disinformation. The uh, Computer, if you will, is programmed to basically give out answers to the economic benefit of the programmer or the person paying for the programming. So then this computer can be expected to give out um, information that's generally believed and accepted by, you know, 95% of the propaganda networks. And so I would not accept answers from such a robot. Now, I will say, now we have another robot, right, which is the Google search engine. Obviously, not a person, pretty much a robot. And the uh, robot will just take you to certain places and not others. And so then you have to get a richer um, vocabulary to be able to seek out other places on the Internet that might um, contain the kind of information that uh, you would like to find out about. Mm-hmm. All right, so question. A senior male friend has been hospitalized for multiple respiratory infections. Would your pneumonia protocol help this man now that he has survived the treatment in his home? <laughs> Absolutely. He is also very anemic. I told him to cook in cast iron scallops and to eat more iron rich foods. Anyway, um, I'm able to locate that podcast again, the one using Vicks all over the rib cage and laying down with head down over the edge of the bed. Is there a step or two I've forgotten? Yes, there are. So you can go to vitalitycapsules.com forward slash remedies, and you'll see the pneumonia remedy right there in that document. And once a person has survived the medical industrial complex, that should be incentive enough to not, uh, not go back. Okay. My sister is in law school, works at the law school, and she said the teachers are ready to revolt against Common Core. Does anyone know how to revolt anymore? Exactly. So obviously they're not going to revolt. Why are they not going to revolt? Because they're interested in keeping their jobs. So if your definition of revolt includes keeping your job, uh, you know, you're not ready. (laughs) You're not ready for it. Um, So... I think people need to also rethink the concept of a job. All a job means is you have a W-2 and that you are taxed horrifically and that the true cost of going to work or holding your job is also taxed and is not deducted from your um, tax base. So it means uh, having a job means that you are subject to the most severe uh, level of taxation out there. So if a person is not willing to reconsider the concept of a job and that maybe working for themselves or working temporary work or otherwise might actually be better to their interests, then they're not ready to revolt. Because uh, when you revolt, you're willing to just walk away. And that's, that's what it's all about. Okay. Dr. Danis, I used to be embarrassed when I said or did something stupid and really got down on myself. I think I'm improving my attitude, but what would you advise? I would like to say this. If you say or do something stupid, the question is, of course, who thinks it's stupid? But the other piece is this. Doing what you're told is going to be even less productive than you making mistakes from time to time. And so people need to realize that there is not a perfect answer machine out there. And each life is all about you living your life, finding the answers that uh, appeal to you and please you, and just building a life on that and each and every day, looking for more answers and more choices that make you happier. And that's pretty much the size of it. So with that definition, then, it's difficult to accuse a person of being stupid A person might be stupid in the sense that they don't do what you think they should do, or they might be stupid in the sense that they don't do things that would work out for you, but that doesn't mean that what they are doing is somehow, you know, unwise. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So let's see if we have more questions. Have all the non-humans gone underground like in the Matrix? No, I don't think so. I think that the non-humans, if that's what you want to call them, are definitely alive, well, and uh, surrounding really all of us. And the non-human may just be um, the synthetic human that's now uh, answering phones and doing customer service. They've now got artificial voices so real that to the human ear, you can't tell it's a machine talking. So non-humans, call them robots, are actually pretty much surrounding us. Whenever you go to an ATM machine, that's a robot. And so more and more of our interactions are involving robots and not humans. Okay, let's see if we can find more questions here. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Dr. Daniels. Another gal just home from the hospital after kidney having kidney removed where they found cancer in a routine scan, they felt lucky that they got it all, even though the person died. Exactly. And that's an important thing to understand. The success of a surgery is not m- measured by the benefit or harm to the patient it is measured by
0: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper